Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I, I want to I I speak today. I want to talk today on the spirit of generosity. The spirit of generosity. Now, don't clam up. I'm not, I'm not going to try to get your money today. That's not what it's about. I'm just talking about a generous spirit. Everybody needs to be possessed with a generous spirit. You need a generous heart. Uh, why be a tightwad when you can be a giver? Why, why hold back information? Why hold back love and when you can show love? Why hold back compliments when you can give compliments? Why hold back things? Why be a grump when you can be a grin? Amen. Why, why allow life to beat you down so bad that everybody is a loser and you're the only one that's making any hay in life? Why don't you go into a room and light it up instead of when you walk in, everybody wants to get out of the room? Amen. Amen. Why don't we have a spirit of generosity? I'm going to talk about it today and God's going to help us and you're going to help me. Would you be seated? God bless. Thank you for being here today. Did you know that one time that generosity was illegal in Santa Cruz, California? All you folks from California, glad you're in Austin. It's not illegal here. It was illegal to put some money in another person's parking meter when their meter had expired. The practice was called plugging coins. And it was considered an illegal act by the Santa Cruz Municipal Code. A fine for a parking violation, folks, was $12. For plugging coins, it, the fine was $13. One more dollar. But there was a, a clown named Mr. Twister, a.k.a. also known as Corey McDonald. He was a balloon twister and a clown, and he brought a lot of joy to kids. And he would spare many car owners of tickets by just putting a quarter and giving them an extra 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever. And after several warnings, Mr. Twister was ticketed for his random act of illegal kindness. <laughs> illegal. However, he refused to stop doing what he considered the golden rule, doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But there is justice. In a strange twist, the news media got a hold of something good and made a news story out of it. And he was interviewed by CNN and all the other major news organizations in the United States. And letters came from kids all over the country pouring in to the Santa Cruz office. Don't knock Mr. Twister. He's a great clown. Other clowns got into the act. Bumper stickers were created. Mr. Twister became a local and a national hero. And his acts of kindness prevailed and declaring the law a public relationship disaster. The Santa Cruz City Council took emergency action to yank the law from the books immediately. And in an effort to show their support and their chagrin, each member of the city council, along with the mayor, donned a red clown nose <laughs> that beeped when you squeezed it to vote for their approval of bringing that out of the city council. All Mr. Twister ever really wanted was for people to be kind and to show it. Now, I'm not in a clown uniform today, but that's all that the Lord has wanted me to do in this church for nearly 27 years. There's a lot of hate going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on out there, but it does not have to manufacture itself in the children of God. We are of a different father. We do not have the father that they have. We have a different father. And our heavenly father is one that is kind and generous and giving to all of us. My wife drove through Chick-fil-A the other day and she get her favorite salad. And she didn't get me one, so it kind of bothered me. 
But when she got to the window, the little girl at the window, you know, when they say my pleasure, you know, when they say, she said, uh, how much? She said, ma'am, don't worry. Your bill, your ticket was paid for by the person ahead of you. She said, oh, really? So my wife, being the Samaritan that she is, she said, well, I'll take care of the people behind me. She said, ma'am, it's a wife, it's a woman with a bunch of kids. They ordered a lot. She said, I don't care. I don't matter. You know, it's my, my husband gave me some money. I'll spend it. No. <laughs> and she took care of them. I applaud my wife. I was, at, I was at lunch the other day. I was at lunch the other day with a, with a pastor from Connecticut. He was in first service. He was down here, took a little leave of absence, and he was down here. His uncle, Roger Bain, is a, one of our care pastors, he and his wife, Carolyn. And, and Lance Bain and I were, were having lunch together and our breakfast together, and we fought over the ticket. And after much blood and guts and war and scratches and clawing, he finally prevailed and took the ticket out of my bleeding hand. And, and he said, and not only, sir, do I, ma'am, do I want this ticket, I want to take care of those two elderly men over there. And as an anonymous donor, I want to bless them. Don't tell them any, any, who it was, just I want to bless them. And my heart just swelled because I realized I was in the presence of a generous soul. I was in the presence of somebody. I live with a generous soul. My Lord, she's put up with me for going on 35 years. She's a generous soul. But I've always believed this, that love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Generosity is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. All of us need to be baptized by the spirit of generosity. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love and joy. We need a little of that. Say peace, not war. Say patience. Say kindness. Say generosity. Say faithfulness. Say gentleness and self-control. And the Bible said there is no law against such things. There's no law. If we live by the Spirit, we must be guided by the Spirit. Paul talked to the Corinthians and he said this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And do not give under reluctancy or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And it's not just about giving money, it's about giving of your time and giving of your talents and giving of yourself, and giving a smile to a lonesome stranger, and giving help to somebody on the side of the road. Not picking up hitchhikers, I'm not talking about that. But giving help to somebody on the side of the road, blessing somebody that's less than you are. The church still needs to have the compassion of Jesus Christ in our life, in our heart, and in our love. Amen? We are not guided by the same principles as the world. We're guided by the principles of one that went to a place called Calvary. So I'm going to preach four little points today. Four little old points. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories and I'm going to let you go home. The first thing I want to tell you is that we must become generous with our love. We've got to be generous with our love. Several years ago, there was a famous Peanuts cartoon. And in it was Schroeder, that piano loving intellectual. He was interrupted often by his infatuated admirer, Lucy. And Lucy asked Schroeder, do you know what love is? Do you really know? And Schroeder abruptly stopped his plan and stood to his feet and precisely said, love, semicolon, noun, comma, to be fond of, a strong affection for, an attachment or devotion to a person or persons. Then he sat back down and resumed playing the piano. And Lucy looked at 
the audience that was reading the little comic strip stunned and she murmured sarcastically, on paper, he's great. <laughs> John's first love, he, uh, John's first letter he writes, we love because God first loved us. That's how we roll in this church. We roll because Jesus Christ loved us. We have found out something and we do what we found. God loves us. Humility, folks, does not come from us. It's knowing that God's love, in spite of all of our horrible things we have done, is still constant to us. God loves us. I have a slogan I've lived by for a long time, and here it is. Loved people love people. If you have felt the love of somebody, you need to pass that love on. You need to pay it forward. We are loved by the supreme being, almighty God. Amen. He loves us. He loved us so much he sent his only begotten son to die for us so that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Are you proud of that? Clap your hands. Dennis the Menace in a cartoon. In a cartoon one day, he and his joy were leaving Mrs. Wilson's porch and they had a bunch of cookies in their hand. They was eating those cookies. And Dennis looked at joy and he said, you know, Mrs. Wilson gives cookies to us not because we're nice but because she's nice. That's why we get them. Mrs. Wilson is living out the golden rule. Dennis and Joy were just responding. I read about a man in rural Oklahoma several years ago that ran out of gas on the side of the road and he walked to a farmhouse. And he went to that farmhouse just to make a call. He wanted to call the station and maybe have somebody come out and pick him up. And when he got to the farmhouse, the farmer was so congenial. He said, no, sir, you're not going to do that. I'm going to take you in my car. We're going to go to the station. I know the station owner. They took him to the station. He got got a bunch of gas, and the the farmer helped him, took him all the way back to his car, stayed there until the car was filled up, and they got the car running. And when they got through, the man who had been stranded looked at the farmer and said, here, I want to give you his $20 blessing. And the farmer looked at him and he said, sir, listen, listen, if I took your money, you'd buy the feeling from me. You'd buy it back. And I'm not, and, and it's not for sale. That feeling that I have because I helped you is not for sale. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. There's some things better than somebody giving you money. There's some things better when you give your time and your love and your kindness and your devotion to people. When you love your wife, when you speak kind words to your children, when you say kind words to your pastor, even though he ate bluebell by the gallons a long time ago. When you walk up and say you still look good, pastor. When you give compliments to people, when you share the goodness of God, that's not because they're good people. It's because you're a good person. Because we need to learn to be generous with our love. Jesus looked at Simon one day and he said, Simon, do you love me more than these? And Simon said, I love you, Lord. He asked him agape, which is unconditional love. He asked him the second time, do you love me, Simon, more than these? He said, I love you, Lord, agape, unconditional love. And the third time he asked him, he said, Simon, do you love me more than these? Filio. He asked him as a brother, do you love me as a brother? I know, Simon, that you've messed up. And I know you're having a trouble right now answering me directly that I love you unconditionally. Because, Simon, you went away fishing. You backslid from your calling to me. And I had to come and find you out here at the sea. And I understand that. But I want you to understand something, Simon. I love you agape. 
I love you agape, but I'll get on your level of filio as a brother if I can get you back on the track of being agape to me. And he did that. A little bit later, he said, Simon, you're a young man now and you do what you want to do, but when you'll be old, they'll take you where you don't want to go. And Simon Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus Christ was crucified. I'm telling you, agape love got a hold of him. There's a Jesus in this house right now that is pushing us to agape love, to unconditional love, which in the dictionary means with your mouth wide open. I love you, God. I love you. Take everything that I have. Take all that I am and let me be a witness of who you are to anybody that I see and anybody that I meet. That's what we're talking about. Be generous with your love. Clap your hands. That's soft preaching and some men don't like that kind of preaching and I'm going to give it to you. Be generous with your forgiveness. When man went to see his doctor because he was feeling absolutely terrible. After a careful examination, the doctor left the room to run, look the test and see what was happening. He came back with a somber expression on his face and he said, sir, I don't know how to break this news to you, but you have rabies and you're going to die within 48 hours. And the man very calmly got a piece of paper and began to write. The doctor said, are you writing out your will? He said, oh, no, I'm writing out a list of people I'm going to bite when I get out of here. (laughs) Isn't it sad? Isn't it sad to live with bitterness in your spirit when you can live with forgiveness in your spirit? There was a sign on a bank that said, to err is human. To forgive is not our policy. We want to be paid. Jesus said, When he was asked, how much do we need to forgive? He said, seven times a day. And he said, no, seven times 70. 490 times. And what he was saying was, every time you forgive on that 490 times in one day, it's like you've never forgiven before. It's like it's the first time. In other words, pastor, somebody's been hurting me every day for years. Keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving like it's the first time it ever happened. Just keep saying it's all right. God's going to take care. He's going to vindicate me. He's going to bless me. He's going to understand. You've got to understand that forgiveness works. I read about a story about a woman who had a, a bucket and they asked her to go take some water from a well into the kitchen. And she filled her bucket full of water, but she didn't realize that the bucket had some tiny pinholes. And on her way to the kitchen, that water began to seep out. And by the time she got to where she wanted to go, the bucket was plumb empty. That's the same dilemma that affects a lot of us. Our buckets of forgiveness are flawed and they're full of holes. And most of the time, by the time we've decided to forgive someone, we've run out of steam. We've run out of enthusiasm. We've run out of that unforgiving spirit that we might have. And we might even decide that there's a few more reasons why we shouldn't forgive them time we get there and God's bucket is full and it's without holes and our bucket is not sufficient but his bucket is but the more we fill our bucket with his forgiveness hallelujah the more holes start mending themselves and it takes a conscious act of willingness an act of obedience even if you can't make the full journey your willingness to take the first few steps begins to mend your bucket forgiveness is giving up my rights to hurt you because you hurt me we've got to give kindness back for evil and love back for things that are not right because that's what God wants out of people. Listen, the world is in a mess right now. I don't care what the politicians said in the Republican Democratic conventions. I don't care. This world is full of hate and bigotry and racism, but I promise you it's not going to affect the kingdom of God. We're going to reach out to our brothers and sisters and we're going to love people with everything that we have and everybody that walks in that door, somebody help me preach. They're going to feel the love of God in this house. They're going to feel the peace of God in this house because forgiveness works. Say amen to that. Mother took her kids to a restaurant and her six-year-old boy 
ask if he could pray, and the mama let him. And he said, when they got the food, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food. I'd even thank you more if mom could get us ice cream for dessert. (laughs) And liberty and justice for all, amen. (laughs) And the crowd began to laugh and clap, and along with the laughter was a woman nearby that remarked, there's always a Pharisee in the bunch. That's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray, asking God for ice cream. Why, I never. Little boy started to cry. Mom, did I do wrong? Is God mad at me? And Mom assured him, it was all right. God's not mad, son. And an elderly man approached his table and winked at the boy and said, I happen to know that God thought it was a great prayer, son. Really, the little boy said, cross my heart, said the man. Then with a theatrical whisper, he added with enough volume that the critical woman could hear, too bad she never asked God for ice cream herself. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometime. I'd like to testify, it is. I've given it up for Lent. God, I wish Lent would get here. The mother did purchase some ice cream at the end of the the meal, and her son started to eat his ice cream, and then he did something a bit unusual. He picked up his little Sunday that he had ordered and without a word walked over and placed it in front of the woman that had been critical. And with a big smile, he told her, here, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul, and my soul is good already. That is forgiveness. We don't need forgiveness like the Irish prayer. The Irish prayer said that may those who love us love us and those who don't love us may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts may he turn their ankles so we'll know them because they're limping all the time. (laughs) Don't need that prayer. One man told John Wesley one day said sir I never forgive. And John said then sir I hope you never sin because everybody needs forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers that I've read. I read all through college. I read much of his volumes of his works. I love C.H. Spurgeon. He said, let's go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And let us linger there that we may learn how to forgive ourselves. It's time that we understand that we were forgiven when we were just sinners. And we need to learn to forgive like Christ forgave us. We got people that we love that we hadn't forgiven. It's time for the forgiveness thing to get over in our lives. It's time to mend the holes in your bucket and say, I'm going to forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me. And I'm not going to hold you bondage when he hadn't held me bondage. I'm going to set you free because I've been set free by the power of the liberty of Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and say, I want a generosity of forgiveness. We need to be generous with our giving. Our giving. You know, the Bible said it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And the reason that the Lord said that is because rich people don't, they don't trust in God. They trust in their riches and they trust in themselves. And this old rich man was dying and he knew just enough of the Bible that he was a little scared at his dying death, at his dying day. And so his family gathered around and asked for his last wish. He said, before I die, I'd like to take a ride. And they asked him what he required for the final ride of entering the kingdom of heaven. He said, I would like a real small camel and a very large needle that's got a great big eye in it. <laughs> because all of us need, all of us need a spirit of giving in our lives. There was a beggar on the side of the road one day when Alexander the Great passed by. And Alexander threw the man several gold coins. And one of, his, one of his assistants was astonished at Alexander's generosity. And he commented to him, sir, 
your highness, copper coins would have adequately met the beggar's need. Why give him gold? And Alexander's response was this, I am a emperor, I'm a king. Copper coins would suit beggar's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Here's what I want to tell you. It's who your daddy is that matters. It's the position you have in life that matters. Oh, I don't feel like giving out to people that don't give back to me. Well, I'm sorry. Jesus gave when we didn't have anything to give back. And I'm going to be his kid. I'm going to represent him. Copper may work for this world, but I'm going to give gold. I'm going to give everything I have because somebody needs somebody to give them grace and to give them hope in this life. Amen. Amen. I know a pastor that used to get a boutonniere every Sunday. I used to get a red hot every Sunday after I preached. And the man that used to give me that was here in the first service. He don't give them to me anymore because I'm too routine now. But it's all right. They were too hot anyhow. They gave me indigestion sometimes. But this pastor got a boutonniere and one day he was walking out. It, was, it became kind of routine. And he was walking out of the church one day and a little boy came up to him. And he said, Pastor, we're... Where'd you get that flower? And he said, well, I get, I get it every Sunday. Somebody gave it to me. He said, sir, what you going to do with it when you get through? He said, you going to throw it away? He said, well, I don't know what I'm going to give. He said, he put me on the spot. He said, can I have it? And he said, well, yes, son. Why do you want it? He said, well, he said, I'd like to give it to my grandma. And he said, really? He said, yeah. Uh, he said, when I was uh, two years ago, when I was eight, said, my mom and daddy split up. And he said, uh, I wanted to live with my mama, but she got remarried and her husband don't want me anymore. So they asked me to leave the house, go live with my daddy. said, I went to live with my daddy and said, he, he, he don't want me either. said, he never did want me. said, so he told me, I'm going to take you to grandma's. And said, sir, when he took me to grandma's, said, my grandma cooks for me. And she feeds me and she buys me clothes and sends me to school and takes care of me. And she buys me all kinds of stuff and she's kind to me. And she loves me. said, I'd like to take that rose to her. I'd like to take that flower to her. And the pastor, by this time, was, had tears in his eyes, and he said, well, son, you, you, you can have it. You can. You can have it. He, but, he said, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to just give you this. You see that bouquet of flowers up there in front of that pulpit? He said, I want you to go take the whole bouquet. Your grandmother deserves that whole bouquet of flowers. And the little boy with tears running down his face, he said, really? I can have the whole bouquet? And he went up, and he grabbed that bouquet, and he came back, and he said, wow, what a day. He said, I asked for one flower, and I got a whole basket full of them. Here's what I want to tell you. That's what happened to us. I'm sorry, folks. That's what happened to us. We were sinners. We just asked for a little bit of grace from God. And he gave us the whole bouquet. He gave us a whole, ba- he gave us a whole basket full. And who am I? Who am I to set on the generosity? And the kindness. And the love. And the given spirit that my heavenly father has bestowed upon me. Who am I to pinch somebody because I've been given the whole load of blessing. I must be a generous giver. And I've got to be generous in closing with my kindness. I told you it's going to be four little old points. But boy, I want to be kind to people. A little lady walked into church first service today and she said, I bet you get tired telling everybody you love them. I said, no, ma'am, I don't. I don't get tired telling people I love them. Because every morning when I get up, there's somebody whispering in my ear, I love you. And one of them's Patty. That's true. That's true. It's Patty. 
But she's usually asleep on Sunday morning when I get up. But the Lord tells me every day, I love you. You're my son. He tells me I'm proud of you. I care for you. So who am I to hold that kind of blessing in my spirit and not be kind to people that walk in this door? There was a young man that came to service and he looked like he could be a part of the Rolling Stones this morning. He looked like he came out of a rock group. And he pulled me aside. He said, you Rex? I said, I'm him. He said, man, we dig this church. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, hey, boys, this is the man. Give him a high five. Two of the cutest little boys you've ever seen in your life. He said, this is our second time here. We tried to put our kids in Sunday school. said, two of them made it the whole hour. And this one didn't. said, need to lay hands on him. <laughs> and I thought, second service, second service. They're already feeling the kindness. They're already, oh, somebody help me preach right now. They're already feeling it. They understand. It's a different feel. It's a different feel. It's not just church as usual. It's not just coming in here in a 22-minute liturgy. It's somebody that cares because somebody got the whole bucket, bouquet, bouquet of flowers in his life. And I want to share it with somebody in my life. One thing I've discovered about kindness, it's difficult to give away because it keeps coming back at you. You give away a smile, you're going to get one back. You give away a frump, you're going to get a frump back. We need to get the grunts out of our life and get the grins back. We need to get that spirit of, I'm the only one that matters. You're not the only one that matters. You need to show people the affection that they need in life. And the more kindness you show, the more kindness is shown to you. It's sort of one of those immutable laws of the spirit. I, I like, it's like trying to outgive God. It just can't be done. It's like this. It's remembering the golden rule and remember it's your turn. It's always your turn. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. One man said it this way. Kindness is in our power even when fondness is not in our power. Kindness is in our power. Kindness is what sets Christians apart from the rest of the world. I heard a little girl. I like to tell ice cream stories. I'm going to tell you nothing. A little girl was in line to get some ice cream one day at her Sunday school. And a little old woman was passing out the ice cream. And all it required to get that ice cream was to hug that little old woman. That little woman said, I got to have a hug. She was one of those dear darlings that we have over in our Sunday school department also. It's taking care of your kids today. And she said, all I need is a hug. Just give me a hug. So the little girl gets up there. She gets her ice cream and she hugs that little old grandma. She backs up and smiles and hugs her again. She says, keep the change. We need to be given so much love, so much forgiveness, so much kindness that we can look at people and say, just keep the change. We are a church that truly loves what's happening in Austin, Texas. And we truly want people to know that there's a church that still makes a difference. We love people. There's a spirit of generosity that wants to baptize Christian life church. One man said it this way. He said, a bit of fragrance always clings to the hand that gives you the rose. And that's the way it is. Wow. Wow. My wife buys me some neat cologne. She's the cologne lady. It has to be, a, it has to, be to her scent. <laughs> And so most ladies like it because it's a woman that said, this is what I like. So I wear it 
I care less what it smells like. I, <laughs> but it's an amazing thing. I, I'll spray it on my hand. Put it on. Spray it on my hand. I want to get real good. I got some more after church today. I'll go put some more on. And then, 40 minutes later, I smell my hand. It's still there. It's still there. You know why? Because what I gave to somebody is still the remains are in my hand. And I'm telling you, whatever you give away, you can smell it. Love smells good. Forgiveness smells good. A giving spirit smells good. And giving away kindness smells wonderful. Let's clap our hands and rejoice for that in the name of the Lord right now. I want to tell you a beautiful story in ending. A story about a missionary that I know very, very well. I've preached for him overseas. In fact, I went to his country twice in the 80s. He's retired now. He's a sick man. He has cancer of the bladder and don't know what's going to happen in his future. But years ago, he he labored for over 30 years in this one area of the country. And he loved the down and outers and he loved the people. He just loved people. He gave kindness. He gave love. He gave and gave and gave. And he would give those boys money because they had nothing to eat. He'd give them money. He'd give them, he'd give them do- do- dollars. He'd give them help. He'd, he'd, he'd help, them, help them with their families. He paid for babies. He paid, he paid for families to have children. He just gave and gave and gave and gave until he had no more to give. And now he lives in a 12 by 60 trailer in Portland, Oregon. Or he did. And the other day, About six months ago, he got a call from a young man that he went off the street who was a druggie. And now he's a pastor. And he has, are you ready for this? He has seven million in his congregation. Men, M, 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 not T, 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 million. And he called him, he said, I'm coming to see you. He said, really? He said, yeah, meet me at the airport. I'm coming to see. He flew in in one of his own personal private jets. He's got six. He used to be on the streets, but a missionary found him with love and kindness. And you people that used to be a part of what I was a part of, you'd know his name, and I'll, I'll tell you his name later, but I'm not going to call it over the pulpit because of recording situations. But the man flew in, landed his jet, When he got to his house, he gave him a brand new Rolex. He said, this is for you. It's time that you understand what time it is in your life. He said, now I want to ask you a question. Where's the favorite place that you'd ever like to live? He said, oh, man, I love Phoenix, Arizona. He said, okay, I'm going to send a jet up to get you in a few days. We're going to fly you to Phoenix. I'm going to have some people come over. We're going to talk about Phoenix. They met in Phoenix about four days later. And when he got there, there were some realtors there. And he said, where would you like to live? He said, well, you know, I love golf, and I'd like to live on a golf course. He said, let's go to the golf course. Which one? And he picked out a golf course. Pretty nice one. A little place called Scottsdale. And they went out there, and they found this house, and it was for for sale for something like $700,000. Plus or minus a little bit, okay? I'm just trying to keep it in the the ballpark. And the man wrote a check, said, here, here's the keys to your house. He said, now, you're going you're to need some furniture for this house. He said, I'm going to give you another $150,000 to give you some furniture for this house. 
And he gave him a $150,000 check. He said, now, decorate it pretty. Spend it all because if you spend more than I gave you, I'll give you some more. He said, you're going to need some money for some expenses in this house. And he wrote him, he said, I'm going to give you $15,000 a month just to pay for the electricity and all that. He said, you need groceries. And he sent some people to buy groceries. And they bought over $2,000 worth of groceries. And they had groceries in their bedroom, in their bathroom. They had groceries everywhere. <laughs> it's called a spirit of generosity. And the pastor, the old missionary said, man, you got to stop. He just, he's weeping. He said, you got to stop. I can't take this. You got to stop. He said, you're not going to stop me. He said, because you found me when I was nothing but a druggie and a drug lord. You found me. And now I've been changed by the power of God. And I must do this. I must show you and share with you the joy that you brought to my life. Smell it. It smells good to bring joy to people. Hallelujah. And he said, you need a car. So he bought him a new Lincoln Town car. And he said, and you need some money to run on. I'm going to give you a $100,000 check right now and you'll have another in the first of the year. But he said, is that enough? Because I want to make sure you're covered. The man wrote me. And he said, I went from a pauper in one day to a millionaire. Here's what I want to tell you. It's not about the money. Because that don't happen to a lot of people. But I will tell you this. That you can't outgive God. And one day if it doesn't happen here monetarily, it's going to happen here. Jesus told the rich young, after the rich young ruler walked away from him, he told his disciples, he said, in this life I'll give you a hundredfold if you follow me, plus the life that is to come. The Lord's got some blessings waiting on us if we just learn the spirit of generosity in our life. If we just learn how to love and how to forgive and how to give and how to show kindness. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I, uh, it sounds like I want somebody to do that to me. No. No, I told that story because I love that man. I preached for that man. I saw the passion of that man. I saw the burden of that man. And I'm so happy for him. He may not live over another year or two. But boy, what a way to go home, huh? And he said, and the last gift I want to give you, sir, is we've we got a new president in our country. And I'm going to get to pray in that, in that inaugural, uh, in that, uh, when, they, when they inaugurate him, I get to pray. And I got an extra seat beside me. And you always wanted to go to a presidential thing in that country and never got invited. He said, I'm inviting you to come sit with me. And the old missionary went with him and sat there on the front row and just cried like a baby because that's all he ever wanted was to be recognized as somebody that brought peace and truth and a gospel to a country. It wasn't about the money. It's about sitting there and watching somebody take an inauguration, get an inaugural address and understanding I'm here because God knows that I really mattered in my life. Let me tell you something. Giving people matter. Loving people matter. Forgiving people matter. Come on now. Kindness people matter. You can't outdo God. Let's get a hold of this attitude of gratitude. Come on, not entitlement. Let's get a hold of an attitude. And let's reach for it like we never have before. Let's reach for it like we never have before. Are you going to receive that today? Clap your hands real big in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 
Stand to your feet, your beautiful people. Randy, come. Amen. I'm kind of like the little preacher last week. Randy, play a, play a course. Play a, play a little note, and I'm going to say, Jesus loves you. I love that last week. It sounds so much better when the piano's playing behind you with melodious music. I want you to bow your heads just a moment. We're divided today, and we're having baptisms, and there's some little kids that asked me to baptize them, so I'm going to slip out as soon as I get through dismissing you, and I'm going to go over and baptize some of these children today. No telling how many we baptized in the second service, but I'm so grateful for our kids. They all had permission slips, and they got permission from their parents, so we're not breaking any laws, so don't call a city council meeting on us. But isn't it great to give away love? Isn't it great to give away love? Come on, come on. Isn't it great to give away kindness? Isn't it great to give away forgiveness? Just give it, give it, give it. I want you to raise your hands right now and say, Father, I receive the word. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.